So just as a quick reminder, and for those of you who are joining us today, we've been going through a series in our stewardship season to talk about what does it mean to live deeper. As a church, we're thinking more about what does it mean to be a vital church. That's what we've said we are going to be. We are going to be the most vital church possible. But we also know that in Mark, these series of passages that we see during this time are really important as it pertains to discipleship. So this intersection between vitality and discipleship, we thought might have to do something with depth. And so we've been reviewing different ways to go deeper. And this week, we're talking about dreams. So this week, I started these notes. Uh, I know many of you, we've talked a little bit about what my... Uh, what my sermon process is, and some of you I know panic a little bit, is that I spend most of the week just reflecting on the text. I have it in my head, and then come about Sunday morning at about 4.30, when I wake up, I preach it to myself. And I figure if I can preach it to myself at 4.30 in the morning when I've thought about it all week, then I know you all who are going to hear it one time on a Sunday morning probably can get most of it. And that's usually when I finally put pen to pad. But this week, uh, because I didn't know what was going to go on, I started these notes on Friday on a plane between Jacksonville and Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Now, Friday was a particularly clear day, at least through most of it, although the Midwest greeted me with overcast skies and 45 degrees, the true Midwest fall. But for most of the time, I could see all the way down from my window seat down to the ground, and it was beautiful. It looked like stained glass with leaded roadways all along the way, and when it was connected with these green-gray hues against the open waters that I saw on the way, it was a chiaroscuro of both natural beauty and human ingenuity. The reliefs were spellbinding to me along the way. I saw nuclear power plants along the way that looked like pawns spread about a sprawling chessboard. Trees in the first five minutes were recognizable, but after time it just looked like shag upon a carpet that I continued to glide over for two hours. And it was interesting, I, I can't help myself when I get a chance to be on the plane. I take pictures so that I can show the kids later. And all the varying cloud formations along the way were something to behold. Especially on the way back, there was like, almost, it looked like a flat white plane going on as far as the eye could see. And this is the thing, as I approach now my fifth decade of life, I still can't help but be completely overjoyed as a child as I go on a plane. Now, I could go on and on, and we could spend hours and hours talking about the flowery, beautiful things that happened while I was on the plane, but I also knew down there as I watched the pulse of those roadways, I knew that there was somebody who was really annoyed at a traffic jam. I knew that there was somebody in a grocery store that was not possible for me to see, knew to themselves that the eggs that they just bought were like way more expensive than the eggs that they bought last year, and they are not happy about it. 
Never mind, like, the steak that they bought, right? I mean, who pays $20 for steak right now? And more and more, I started to realize that even in my gilded moment on the, uh, on the Delta flight, after a while, when you zoom back in from above and when you head back down, it's not so beautiful anymore. It seems mediocre. Uh, it seems kind of annoying and, and, and maybe a bit over time obnoxious. And about halfway through the flight, I thought to myself, why didn't I get the aisle? Why do I have to keep looking at this? Because, you know, I, after time, you start thinking about how many annoyances are right there in front of me, spanned across for miles and miles. And I also was not unaware at the start of these notes that the reason why I was going to Pittsburgh was because I was en route to a little town of Greenford, Ohio, to see my grandmother, who I knew wasn't doing very well. She had a precipitous decline over the last week. And in less than 10 hours from when I began these notes, she would pass away. And when I got back on the plane, I tried as best I could with this cloud over me. For those of you who have gotten to know me a little bit, you know that my grandparents, both of them, on my mom's side, uh, have a deep significance to me. My grandfather, a pastor, and my grandmother, as I put on Facebook, uh, was an anchor for me throughout all my life. As someone prone to fancy, it was nice that there would always be someone who could return you to your orbit, and that was my grandmother for me. So even in the midst of all of these thoughts and, of course, all the machinations of what comes next, memorial services and all of the kind of things that happen after somebody passed that stop you from actually grieving, but you've got to do the rigmarole to get through it, I kept trying to come back to the stained glass. I kept trying to come back to the chessboard and the shag carpeting and the relief of the mountains over the Appalachians. And while, let's be honest, it didn't provide me the comfort I had hoped for, it did provide me some perspective on all sides of every moment, of every traffic jam, of every receipt too expensive, of every moment when a loved one passes, there are heights and breadths and depths beyond our gaze at the moment. Friends, we don't know how long Bartimaeus was blind, but we do know that he was not able to work for a living because of his condition. I mean, certainly we did not have the advances in the technology like we do now 2,000 years ago. If somebody had a disability like blindness, they were likely relegated to the work of begging. Hardly a subsistence living at all. And we don't know what his expectations were when he shouted that Jesus would have mercy. In fact, if any of you have ever gone on an exit in any major city in this country, you will find folks begging with a sign. I do not think that they are being very selective about who they ask for help. And so the same thing is I cannot find it that it would be the case 
that when Jesus walked by, Bartimaeus was really thinking too deeply about who was passing by, other than maybe he had heard about the guy and said, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. But there's a ground-to-sky moment in the midst of Bartimaeus' disabilities, in the midst of his begging, in the midst of the other people saying, dude, Jesus does not have time for you, a blind, dirty beggar on the side of the street. I don't know who you think you are. Amidst all the realities of that moment, there is a ground-to-sky moment nestled right here in the middle of this passage. Jesus asking the blind beggar, what do you want me to do for you? And then it happens. Bartimaeus sees again. He might not even believe that that was going to happen. I mean, we can all ask for something. Kids ask for ponies every year for Christmas. I have not seen a run on ponies ever in my entire life. Sure, we can ask for sight, but you know, it might not happen. But this time it did. And he may have asked for that sight time after time after time, and who is he to believe that this moment it would be a reality, but in this moment it was. And I think we should see that Bart follows Jesus. I like to affectionately call him Bart, because Bartimaeus is really hard to type over and over and over again. But I think we should interrogate a little bit of the postlude here. So what of his past, right? It's all great that Bartimaeus is going to take up his stuff and start following Jesus, but the dude's been a beggar all of his life. He has no 401k. He has no occupation to write down other than formerly blind beggar. I would probably not hire that person. In fact, I'd ask, so formally? So were you really blind in the first place, Bartimaeus? You know, and then what happens after Jesus is gone, right? Okay, it's great that Jesus and Bartimaeus and the merry band of disciples continue on, amen and amen. But if y'all have been following this story for more than one year of your life, you'll know that it doesn't quite turn out super great for this merry band of disciples. What life is Bartimaeus going to make for himself now that he has sight? Here's the thing, this is a similar question that we have to pose in the Jeremiah text today. Similar circumstances about the people of God. In the same way when we've had Isaiah or Ezekiel come up, these really big meta-narrative stories about the people of Israel, Jeremiah's the same. Tells the whole story of the growth and decline and the exile of the people of Israel. Returning home after exile won't fix the past. It doesn't repair the trauma of being torn from your ancestry, ancestral home. But boy, when I hear 31.9 in particular, there is something so beautiful to this language. I'm going to 
speak it again. With weeping they shall come, and with consolations I will lead them back. I will let them, my people, walk by brooks of water in a straight path in which they shall not stumble, for I have become a father to Israel, and Ephraim is my firstborn. If I had been torn from my ancestral homelands, I might want to hear that my Savior would guide me through safe, refreshing waters. So here's the gift of dreams for us. They reorient our perspective and give us a chance to see the 30,000-foot view as we're sitting amidst the traffic jams. Now, here's the thing, y'all. I, I have dreams. I have dreams for us as a church. I have dreams for myself and for my family, but they don't fix the pain that I have now. And they certainly can't repair the past. But they do help us see what can be, what should be, and what could be. And sometimes, dear friends, they do come true. You have two stories right here today of the most grand, amazing, out-there dreams coming to life. A blind man is cured and is seeing, and the people, God's people, come home again. We should not abandon dreams because they don't heal us of today's wounds. No, we should believe in dreams because they carry us forward in the midst of what is happening today and what happened yesterday. Friends, I can't fix the fact that my grandmother died yesterday. I'd really like to. I'd like to have one more time to tell her I love her. I'd like to tell her about all the cool things that are happening here. I wrote her letters. I'd like to talk about the fact that the Cleveland Indians did not make the postseason this year. Because that's something we shared and we celebrated when they came multiple times within one out of the World Series. I'd like to be able to tell her that we baptized two children today. We have families coming in left and right. Good things are happening here in San Marco. I want to tell her, but I can't. But friends, that doesn't stop me from dreaming bigger dreams, and neither should it you. There is a world between ground and sky full of life and joy and miracles and all sorts of things happening, and those dreams allow us to sit above in our window seat to look down and say, my God, my God, how beautiful this world is. Deeper is not about whether we have dreams or not or about believing that they come true. Because again, we all have dreams. We all have hopes. We all have aspirations. That's, that's what we all do. Going deeper in our dreams is more about allowing ourselves to see the stained glass ground around us all the time And to answer our Savior, Jesus Christ, 
when in the midst of difficult moments, he turns around and he says to each one of us, what do you want me to do for you? What's the dream that you have today? What is the thing that you hope for most? As you're sitting here in these pews, what do you hope for for this place? I can't guarantee that it's going to be fixed overnight. I can't guarantee that it doesn't take some effort to get from the ground up to cruising altitude. But here's what I do know. is that the people of God went home again eventually. Bartimaeus was healed from his blindness eventually. As we go on this journey, dear friends, whether this is the one time that I have a chance to see you and I joyfully welcome you as part of this community or you have been here for decades and decades, I just invite you to consider, where's Jesus going to meet us in the dreams that we hold? Thanks be to God.